0: You looking for some help?
1: You he done broke our window, you done stole our food, and now you're asking for a job?
2: I know how to serve. They say this new white boy is smooth.
0: I am thrilled to be working with all of you over the next four years. Dr. King, what do your daddy do? He's a butler. Young brother, the black domestic play an important role in our history. Something special is going on down here, dad. President. I know your son is a freedom rider.
1: Turn the bus! Everybody out!
0: No, I never understood what you all really went through. you changed my heart.
1: Hello and welcome to the This Hat Oscar Buzz Podcast, the only podcast taunted by a little ghost boy named Victor. Every week on This Hat Oscar Buzz, we'll be talking about a different movie that once upon a time had lofty Academy Award aspirations, but for some reason or another it all went wrong the oscar hopes died and we're here to perform the autopsy i am your host chris file and i'm here as always with my first lady joe reed uh hi in keeping with
2: this movie i will make no effort to um properly impersonate the first lady that i am portraying i will just be me dressed as such jane fonda this entire time (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> very true we will definitely be getting into the reverence of any of these presidents or first ladies perhaps mm. but right off the top we have some exciting news jordane searles is back we're so excited to have you back welcome back
0: Hi. love having a guest glad to be back
1: <laughs> we had such a great time with you last year talking about cadillac records and then like i feel Almost immediately, you were like, "Please have me back whenever." And you said you wanted to do the movie that we are here to talk to you talk about today, which is Lee Daniels' The Butler.
0: Yes, The Butler, a f- a film written by that that little boy from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Indeed. that's a big deal right now.
1: Very much yeah. so. Yes. Danny Strong. His who had also sort
2: of done... post Buffy career has been the most just fascinating, slash perplexing, slash like he's won a bunch of Emmy Awards. Like it's just like and also is like a major uh behind the scenes force at like Empire. It's very
1: it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, and is him. not
1: a stranger to uh, depictions of presidents or would-be presidents on oh, screen. Oh, uh, exactly. A, the first came up through the HBO movies yeah. "Recount" and "Game Change" before this movie. So it's like a lot of. That and then even like fictional like dictatorships because he did the Hunger Games, the Mockingjay movies, right?
2: Yeah, he really, really loves Julianne Moore as an authoritarian uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) demagogue. Yeah,
2: seriously. Oh boy,
0: I this this may be the only movie that he's written that I've seen. (laughs) Oh. There's some interesting stuff in
1: Game Change. I don't think it's the type of movie that's like Vice where you really have to question, okay, in depicting these people, are you trying to get us to sympathize with that? I've, my memory of Game Change is that it does walk that fine line where it's like not sympathizing these awful people at all, but like, you know, really getting into the Sarah Palin ethos. Right.
2: Yeah. Palin definitely comes across as a, uh sometimes fascinating monster, but like definitely like a monster in that the people that are best served weirdly by uh game change are Nicole Wallace and Steve Schmidt, who you like you will see on MSNBC today. You know what I mean? Like they sort of mm-hmm. that movie really sort of helped facilitate their transition from like Republican foot soldiers to, you know, sort of tweener, uh we're gonna be sort of liberal media's Gateway to, you know, middle of the road conservatives. So if you want to mm. say that the movie that movie, you know, sort of soft pedaled anybody, I would probably say them. Because like even McCain doesn't come across super well in in uh, Game Change, and it's very easy for popular entertainment to make McCain into you know somebody who's you know respectable and and noble and this kind of thing.
0: Mm. I've been watching a lot of presidential movies lately, <laughs> and this one, um, this one is definitely more. No, actually, I prefer this one over a lot of that. <laughs> like I was about to say, so. No. I prefer this one over a lot of the ones that I've seen. <laughs> Just this be...
1: is a conversation I totally wanted to have with you, and I was so interested to see what you had to say because i know you've been watching these movies and
0: they've been driving me crazy okay jfk <laughs> is like unwatchable i don't understand oh wow <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: i love jfk i have to i have to stick up for my movie i like adore that movie it's...
1: I, I love jfk too but it is mired and like it, it, into like this whole like presidential obsession thing that oh, totally. I don't think the butler does. The butler is here. I kind of take it as in terms of all the presidential like cameos that are in this movie, it's reverential, but it's not.
0: I think I the mar- I think some... the marketing is more into the presidents than the movie is. Right? Which yeah. I guess, like it's... when you get all these stars, it makes sense that they would do it that way. But it. But it's mm-hmm. weird to me. Like looking at the marketing and then watching the actual movie. And it's just like this parade of just like disappointing white men.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it,
0: <laughs> I think
2: that's the fascinating thing about the Butler is I don't imagine that Lee Daniels went to cast those roles and was like, I'm going to cast the dumbest choices possible. Like, I don't think that that was sort of his intention, but I think the sort of the, um, the ill fittingness and the like sort of crunchiness of all of those casting choices and uh performances adds up to i think chris what you were saying which is it is a is is an irreverence to it and they're for as much as like this movie is about how like the marching tide of history and everything like that like the actual presidents don't change super much like they're still mostly like uh
1: Flawed, feckless boom, ineffectual, like not, right? Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't present them in any type of positive light, but it is a little odd because you have all of these celebrity castings that make it feel like significant in a way that is drawing attention to itself, but then all of the actual scenes, maybe with the exception of Jane Fonda, is very downplayed. And what you c- can see is that while Cecil's in the room with these people they're doing some pretty insidious things or if it's like right. um JFK he's so ineffectual and like right impotence not the right word but it's just him laying on the floor like not knowing how to act yeah not knowing what to do or think yeah Fonda's Nancy Reagan is the only time in the movie where I was
2: just like all right why are we taking pains to like confer virtue on this person I never felt that with any of the other presidential figures in the movie. I don't know if it's just me, but...
1: I didn't think it gave her virtue, ultimately, because if anything, it makes it seem... There's the question of maybe she is trying to do something that she seems positive, but then when Cecil and his wife actually go to this event that she invites him to, it is revealed that it was all for show. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And gross. Yeah.
0: Mm. it's I it's interesting that i mean out of all the movies that i've watched i watched nixon jfk i watched w and i watched vice again which
1: I, <laughs> why would you do that to yourself
0: <laughs> i even watched like stuff like all the president's men and stuff like that just like oh mm-hmm. and the worst one that i watched primary colors I absolutely uh, yeah. hate that movie
2: I also love what? that movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, okay. uh, just, I would but love- it's all
1: this stuff of uh, being reverential to the president or the position of the president yeah I Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: Um, but, Which this movie feels like it's half in, half out, again, because of those celebrity castings to me.
0: Yeah, I actually find it to be a very interesting conversation about, you know, idealism and, mm-hmm. you know, believing in the president and the presidency and the whole thing. And what happens when you stop believing? I think that that's interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. That is all wrapped up into a family drama. Yes, basically everything to do with the family in this movie. I really enjoy um, even the more like hardcore sentimentality of it. Um, yeah, than anything to do with the presidents. The other, though, I don't think all the presidents are bad. I think Alan Rickman is good in
2: terms of a performance.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. But I, I yeah. it's interesting I don't and
2: I'm curious to to hear what both of you think. Um but that sort of irreverence towards the presidential figures how does that square with the end of the movie and where the note that the end of the movie leaves off with uh Obama showing the you know the yes oh, we can speech I, and all that like that I thought I was I am so
0: <laughs> that <laughs> That is, a, that's a very deflating moment for me in yeah. the movie because yeah. I will go to the mat for this movie, which is why I immediately, cause I was watching it because I was doing a whole thing on the, the previous decade in black film. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I realized that I had never watched The Butler and I watched and then immediately after I did, I was like, I need to talk about this movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Gotta because get it out. I think you're right also that it's deflating. This movie has about five different endings, and the proper one, to me, is like the way the movie should kind of... What the big emotional moment should be is Cecil rejoining his son in the protest.
0: I totally agree. That is exactly where I wanted the movie to end, and I was so mad that it kept going. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: It also feels like it makes this movie feel like it happened... A hundred years ago, like it feels just like mm-hmm. the gulf between how we felt about um the Obama election then, even in 2013, even sort of five years into that presidency, versus now is huge,
1: yeah, that especially b- the optimism, yes, of that moment it seems so far away, yeah. It it definitely dates the movie, too, in a way that I think not ending on that note would make it feel not more timely, but like less locked in a moment, less reactionary yeah. to that moment and more, you know, a movie on its own. Because, like I said, I think the family drama stuff is the most interesting that is the
2: stuff though that ties it most closely to the source material which is this Washington Post article about the real life uh, figure who had been butler for eight consecutive US presidents and um, that the, the, the actual true story with like how his wife died the day before the 2008 election and all this stuff so like I get I certainly get why all of that stuff is in the movie because if you're adapting this article you sort of your expectation is you're going to keep in the hook of that article but Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely it sort of runs incongruously with most of the other stuff in the movie
1: yeah yep (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure we will get into it but we're already getting a little in the weeds with the movie so just to recap we are here to talk about Lee Daniels, The Butler, directed by Lee Daniels, written by Danny Strong, based on, like you mentioned, the WAPO um, article by Will Haygood. Movie stars Forrest Whitaker and, famously, Oprah Winfrey. Also, the massive cast. Take a deep breath for this one so I can get it all in there. David Oyelowo, Elijah Kelly, Yaya DaCosta... Kuba Gooding Jr., Lenny Kravitz, Terrence Howard, Coleman Domingo, Mariah Carey, not saying a damn nope, word. not a word. Uh, Adrian Lennox, the great Adrian Lennox, uh, Vanessa Redgrave, Alex Pettifer, James Marsden, Robin Williams, John Cusack, Alan Rickman, Jane Fonda, and Liev Schreiber on a toilet. Yes. Uh, the movie opened wide in the middle of August in 2013. That's... That's the primer. So I totally
0: t- forgot Leah Shriver was in this movie, and I watched it yesterday. <laughs> okay, it really is. Leah easy Leah Shriver
1: is fully the worst president in this movie. That's the one where it's like, okay, this is this is a Halloween party, <laughs> yeah, with all of the makeup and like, you know,
2: how dare you He's leave like- off Minka Kelly as Jackie Kennedy, and Chris? I uh, sure, all sure, that's right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> who that was. Yep, yep, that's who that was
1: um sure minka kelly um <laughs> saying barely more than mariah carey um but yeah lee daniels the butler to get us back on track we should do the 60 second plot description jordane since you are our guest are you prepared to give us a 60 second plot description of mm. lee daniels the butler
0: <laughs> yeah i'll probably be very minimalist
1: That is is perfectly fine. We are dealing with a biopic here that is uh, somewhat easy to distill down. So if you are ready, your 60 second plot description for the butler starts now.
0: Okay, so this is the story of Cecil Gaines, a man who grew up on a cotton farm, and then his father got killed by Alex Pettifer, and then he became a house Negro, and he learned how to serve white people, make them feel good. Eventually, he moved to the White House and started, like, moved to the White House, and then started serving all the presidents, and then his son became a radical, and there's conflict there, and his wife is played by Oprah, and she's an alcoholic. All right. Uh, An alcoholic who
2: wears some of my favorite costumes in recent movies. (laughs) Like, the fact that...
0: I love her clothes.
2: Lee Daniels is like, well, we got Oprah, so we have to put her in A disco
1: suit, and then a track suit, and then... I've seen those disco suits in person. They are as spectacular in person as you could imagine. Wait, did they
2: tour the country with the disco suits and did you go like see them at a, like a whistle stop? What how did you see these
1: in person? No, it, the Ruthie Carter did the um, costume design and I saw an exhibit of all of her Amazing. costumes in person and that's the costumes they chose from this movie. Do
2: you remember before this movie came out, I think pr- I'm pretty sure before there was even a trailer for it, they released a promotional photo and it's Oprah on the couch with like terrence howard and he's sort of like lasciviously like touching her leg Mm -hmm. and she's got a cigarette and she's sort of like
1: it's like a floral dress and she
2: looks like such a floozy it's just like it's and i think that was like the only promotional photo of this movie for like months and everybody lost their mind for like very good reason it's (laughs) it's an amazing an amazing uh promotional still and I'm not sure if we ever get that like moment exactly in the movie either. It's one of those things where it's just sort of just like it's you know a photo that tells a thousand things, and none of it has to do with the but the actual butler
1: <laughs> and right. the
2: titular butler. So yeah, uh,
0: Oprah in this movie. God, I love her so much. I do. Too. I think she's she's great. She's so amazing in this movie. <laughs> I just she's what a, a gift she's
2: a life force she's just she makes this is the thing that I act that I really I think this movie I think a lot of things about this movie uh sort of all over the map about it but I think one of its biggest virtues is that it tells this story that's that can feel very like you know PowerPoint of history and it's uh the especially with Cecil's voiceover It seems Forrest Gumpish at times in the way it sort of like walks you through these like signposts of American history, Mm -hmm. 20th century American history. But the, the through line of that is this family, which feels very, um, messy. It's like very satisfyingly messy, right? And Oprah, I mm-hmm. think, is the best indication of that where like her character just isn't going to conform to the kind of movie that you think this is. So mm-hmm. and it makes it so much more interesting and it makes her she's just like she's not a simple character. She's not a neat and tidy character. and those all of those ragged edges that she's so good at playing complicate this movie and sometimes make you feel like you're going crazy because like the the dissonance is so strange but like that's absolutely to the film's benefit
0: she oh my god the only before this the only lee daniels movie i liked was the paper boy and i was thinking whenever i saw oprah i was just like thinking about the paper boy and how mm-hmm. and how sweaty it is and how messy it is and mm-hmm. how not you know it doesn't have a lot of sentiment in it and she's and she's giving me a little bit of that in in a movie full of sentiment right right (laughs) yeah
1: as much of that as you can get in a movie that can be played in high school history classrooms you know because it's very much like a PG 13 movie that doesn't walk the line past a PG 13 rating other than Cuba Gooding Jr. having like a fisting joke in the movie (laughs) yes um (laughs) god uh so like and that was the thing because that promotional still you're talking about joe all of the quotes from oprah were her like nervous and scandalized that she had to like make out with terrence howard yeah. in a movie and like made you think that it was going to be far more salacious than it ended up being and of course it's only a year removed from the Paperboy, as yes. Jordan mentioned yes. where it's like nicole kidman is peeing on jack right. Efron, right and like
0: Ah, I love that movie. (laughs) We
1: did an episode on it, and like the first half of the movie, I am all there for it. But then when it has to get super plotty, yes, I it loses me. Once we
2: enter the swamp with uh with John Cusack, by the way, like can we talk very briefly about John Cusack's absolutely bananas 2010s where he makes the paper boy and then is Nixon in the butler and then also gives that like. Wild and insane performance in Chirac. Like it's truly As the preacher has been quite the decade for John Giza. He
0: he is a crazy person. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I kind of oh, wish we talked about him the way that we talk about Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more scared of John Cusack. And I remember, I don't remember who, I, I think it was uh, uh, the guy who played Machete. I don't know why I'm forgetting his name. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. Danny Trejo. I remember him on a podcast saying that, like, the man that he's most afraid of, like, was Working with was like John Cusack. That was like the scariest <laughs> man that he had worked
2: with. <laughs> also, apparently, like nobody in Hollywood likes him, is the other thing that I always heard about John Cusack, which and is never really has. Yeah.
1: Obviously, Lee Daniels is yeah. fine with him yeah. because he's done multiple movies with yeah, him.
0: It's yeah. True. Uh, I mean, Lee Daniels likes some unhinged energy, which is interesting because this movie doesn't really have a lot of that i do love that it begins with the idea that his parents are david banner and mariah carey was just a yeah. lot for me to take in. a
1: silent mariah carey a,
0: a silent mariah and just david i mean david banner in movies he's also in black snake moan because i think david banner is only in movies like this <laughs> 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 movies um and I forgot that that was Alex Pettifer. I mixed him yeah. up with Taylor Swift's boyfriend, but he's the one that's in Harriet. That's Taylor yes. Swift's boyfriend.
2: Yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> okay. uh, the second I saw Alex Pettifer, I literally wrote down in my notes, um, here I thought I was done with Alex Pettifer for good, because we had talked about Magic Mike several weeks ago, and it was very much like a, oh, remember when Alex Pettifer was a thing, was a name we needed to know back then? And I li- I was so confident. I was just like, well, that's the last time I'm ever going to have to think about Alex Pettifer. And then this movie shows up, and I was just like, oh my god.
0: Here he here he is again. He ruined Magic Mike, and he, at least he's not in this movie long enough to ruin it.
2: Well, in, in Lee Daniels' The Butler XXL, he'll, he won't be in it, and it'll be a better movie for it. So,
1: Am I crazy, or was he the original person offered the Zach? efron role in the paper boy too oh is that like that was a thing i
0: I believe that i believe that so glad that it's zach efron though perfect casting
1: right right yeah oh absolutely um the thing
2: about that uh, opening scene or that opening uh several scenes is and i i watched it again this time i'd obviously seen the butler back when it first came out But watching this again, I when Vanessa Redgrave sort of, you know, looks up from the porch and goes into the field, and I was just sort of dreading, I was just like, oh god, this is going to be another, right, it's another scene where the kindly white lady in these, you know, horrible sort of abusive settings is going to show... A modicum of kindness, and the audience is going to confer all of this sort of good feeling onto this person because it's you know a glimmer of kindness in the middle of this. And Daniels undercuts that pretty quickly and kind of repeatedly, where she's mm-hmm. she's not sweet, she's not nice. She does this thing where she sort of brings this child into the house to sort of I you know you can imagine that part of her motivation could be to shelter him, but like there's not sweetness there there's not kindliness there in her performance or in the way it's written and i thought that sets a good and interesting tone for the movie
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah i there's so many people that are in this movie for a small amount of time and for it to be mm-hmm. vanessa redgrave of all people i just assume that like if you need an old woman to be in a movie for a short amount of time it's gonna be lois smith
1: Oh my God! Lois Smith is way too warm, though. Like you need a Vanessa Redgrave, who like you can't have any type of Lois Smith telling
2: Cecil Gaines to find the Minority Report is uh, (laughs) is something I would want (laughs) to see.
0: This uh, this movie has one of my favorite conflicts um, because I talk about. Well, I talk about black movies a lot and something specifically that I don't like about some of the more really like popular Oscar Beatty black movies is that it doesn't really have black people disagreeing. It's like white yeah. people bad, uh, black people like are right, which I mean, true, but like also there needs to be some kind of like arguments, argument between it, which is why I really liked Loose from, I don't even know if it was this past year, a couple of years. Yeah, it was the past year. year. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, because it was, like, a conflict between, like, a kind of, like, Barack Obama kind of, like, respectability politics kind of black person and mm-hmm. then a younger kid who, like, is, like, toying with the idea of revolutionary ideas. I don't think that the the way that they talk about the ideas is good, <laughs> um, but I do think that it's an interesting conflict. But in, in The Butler, it's really interesting because it's this man this father who's trying to you know take care of his family and he works for these white people and you think okay well this is just a job but he no he genuinely believes in these white people for such a long time and because yeah. his son you know had a different experience you know and is younger and you know the younger kid the younger the younger the more radical which is why you know i say prison abolition and like older people are just like what <laughs> um <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, so, just this conflict between, like, um, it's, like, the classic kind of, like, black conflict that's not as much of a conflict as people make it out. You know, you're either a Martin or a Malcolm, which, right. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but I like the fact that, this movie really deals with the question and also not just having cecil being the opposing one but also the brother too who is just very like totally buys this american thing goes off yeah. to war and everything and meanwhile <laughs> can just we talk this about sun. that
2: character for a second first of all i ad- i love elijah kelly so much and i think he's so He's such a spark of life in this movie in this sort of you really feel like you understand the father son dynamics in this because it's a it's a conflict mm-hmm. it's a familiar kind of a thing. You really feel like okay, I've got a handle on this. And just as sort of Oprah is kind of an a, a chaos agent in this movie, so is Elijah Kelly's performance. There was I saw a interview with the cast although Elijah Kelly was not among them, but Oprah had said that he basically improvised most of his lines in this movie. And you can tell, it's just like, there's such an unexpectedness. She said he improvised the line after the big, you know, centerpiece argument where like Oprah slaps uh, David Oyelowo and she calls uh, Yaya DaCosta a low-class trifling bitch.
0: Everything you are and everything you have. Cause of that butler. Now you take that trifling low-class bitch.
2: And get out of this house. And kicks them out of the house. That's that part where um the brother sa- makes the guess who's coming to dinner joke. And he says.
0: I like Singapore Party, Daddy. What's that movie we did? Look who's coming to dinner? Everything ain't a joke. Carol came to dinner. Hush
2: job carol's coming to dinner and apparently that was just like off the top of his head and just like in the middle she's like it was so necessary to have that little bit of levity in the middle of this very very heavy scene um and i just loved him but like my so my question to you guys though is is he playing that character queer or is he playing that character just naive to the point of being like simple
1: like I did, I wasn't quite sure what the character he's an was. intentional goofball because that's the family dynamic he's got the little brother dynamic the whole time even when you see him when he's 10 years old yeah, yeah. I think he's more of like you mentioned the chaos agent he's more intentionally so and yeah. I think he's the one in the room that's got everybody's number and lets them know yeah in more like subtle ways I guess
0: yeah, he has a very like. Uh, I sometimes um scenes in All in the Family when like black people are around and they're just like messing with Archie. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the energy that he has. Like he doesn't like white people, but it's like he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't turn that into an ideology. He just right. turns it into
2: jokes. Right. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: Which like. <laughs> I mean I don't know I was thinking also about Dead Presidents while watching this um which I don't if you have not seen you should see because I mean it's all about this question of you know why are we going to Vietnam right. to fight this white people's war and then oh no we come back from Vietnam and people still don't give a shit about us and we still don't make any money like he just goes and has, like, this whole journey that we don't see. Right. And we we also don't know, like, how he felt when he got there. I like to imagine that when he got there, he was just like, oh, shit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, his, his character arc, which happens mostly off screen, is really fascinating to me. And I also just feel like, we should cast Elijah Kelly in more things. I think he's such a like, you know, a spark of life in these things.
0: Oh, Love Him in Hairspray. Yes,
2: Love Him in Hairspray. He was so good in what um, a joy. the the Wiz live on uh, uh, NBC or whatever it was. I need was. I need to watch that. Oh, he's so good in it. I really loved
0: him. That's mm, um, great.
2: Yeah, it's I think for as much as this movie I mean, the tone really does sort of like veer all over the place, which is a thing to behold. But um, the bright spots in this movie, I think, are really bright spots.
1: Yeah. And like I was mentioning, anything to do with the family dynamic, I think, is done really well. And like it can pull off the fact that they have David a Yellowo playing, like, 15 years old at one point yes. in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, every, everything about this family dynamic is so specific, and I think... Uh, you can attribute a lot of that to Oprah, right? She's playing a very specific kind of woman with a very like specific way of communicating or not communicating. Right. Um, And like, she has a whole arc with her alcoholism in ways that like, even someone like Elijah Kelly, who really only has a few short scenes throughout the movie, like you see the dynamic play out in even just his small moments. Yeah. um, Oh my God. With how this whole family separately relates to each other
0: uh the stuff with terrence howard i love it oh
1: yes.
0: uh, <laughs> the the like just like passed out in bed i love it i mean i like i love this performance not just because i think that it's great but because i don't know i barely ever we talk a lot about like representation in the media that's been like the whole thing for like years now but i personally love this representation of a depressed alcoholic black woman who just cannot. She just can't most of the time. Yeah. I really relate to how much she can't, like, but to the
1: point where like she can't form sentences that are more than like three words because she just has so much in her head and it's all yelling at her inside her own brain. Yeah. Meanwhile, she is drunk off her ass and can't cope with all that's going on in her life her monologue where it's her in front of the mirror with that lipstick like it's the tiniest microphone in the world yeah uh, is sensational and like she barely speaks
2: neither one of you two watches uh maybe i don't know i don't think you do chris uh the real housewives franchise
0: no i don't okay so
2: this is probably going to be lost on you but like if anybody's listening there is such a nene and greg Leeks vibe to uh gloria and cecil in this movie that i just somebody out there listening needs to
0: okay i un- i understand i understand that reference
2: okay, like like she's so like she's such a big personality and she's sort of like and you sort of sometimes wonder just sort of like what Brought you two together, and like and Greg Leeks is such a sort of like very low key, very kind of just like you know receding and sort of lets her be the show, and there's definitely a lot of that in their relationship,
0: yeah, um, so what do we think about Forrest Whitaker's performance?
1: It's kind of a slow burn, but I yeah. do ultimately think that he's great, um especially in like the back third of the movie where. It feels like Cecil is finally dealing with all of the things that he's been burying, um, emotionally. Um, and I, one thing, we'll talk about the makeup in this movie. (laughs) I also think for the amount of old age makeup that is on him, that he can act through that makeup is so, like, technically impressive to me. Um... I think he's really good in this movie. It's, it's,
2: I mean, you're talking about a character whose defining trait is his ability to recede into the background, right? The whole thing about like Mm -hmm. when you're in the room, it should feel like the room is empty. And he, Whitaker seems to really take that task to heart and really works hard at that. And, Obviously, then, with that being the baseline, my favorite moments are always going to be the moments where, like, his personality shines through or sort of a willfulness shines through. And most of that is when he's being kind of petty towards his son, where, like, when the son calls <laughs> and he takes the phone and he's just like... um, you want to be ashamed of yourself calling your mother for money. He's like, that's my money. That's the butler's money, and you're not getting any. And I was just like, oh, like, I love that he's like making that callback to this argument that they had like years before and um, watching him sort of like simmer at that dinner table argument. And then the first thing that he brings up basically is that Yaya's character belched at the table, which is just like, <laughs> Of uh, mm-hmm. everything that's going on, it's just like you're really gonna go for that low blow. But like
0: he, he's very, he's very proper. Like the whole yeah. thing uh, where he's, where he's like in the interview with Coleman Domenico, who is great in everything. I love and Coleman Domenico.
1: Literally Jesus everything. Christ. Yeah,
0: yeah. And and he starts talking about I don't know decanters. Yes. And like yes. Oh, mm-hmm. and cognac. And if in my opinion, the
2: French are the ones who do cognac best. And yeah. Yeah
0: yeah and i was and i was also just i was just sitting there just like what the fuck is he talking about
2: (laughs) (laughs) but like clearly that was the tack to take with coleman domingo's character because that sort of you know you get the sense that that's what endeared him to him coleman domingo one of i think like four or five cast members in this movie who then like went right on to make selma right after this because it's what it's oprah Mm -hmm. a yellow o. um Coleman Domingo I think Cuba Gooding jr is in both of them and I think there might be one other person
1: but yeah there's a h- huge cast too oh um, yeah
0: yeah oh and we haven't even talked about Lenny Kravitz yet <laughs> ah Lenny Kravitz. <laughs>
1: Lenny Kravitz is so handsome in this movie. Oh,
0: uh, he's so fine. It's so distracting. Like, I, I don't even, I don't even remember, like, he was kind of like the nice one, you know, the soft-spoken, thoughtful one. He was the non-salty like
2: one of that little, like, yeah, yeah. that Butler group. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because I mean, Cuba Gooding Jr. was the one who won't stop talking, which is right. you know his best kind of role. Yeah. Oh, totally. Really <laughs> and
1: usually won't up. stop talking about sex. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was. It's just nice to see him. I kind of wish, like, he's definitely got more work in the 2010s. Um, but I just want to just see him as like a regular presence in movies. Just I just want him in all of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm fine with Cuba Gooding Jr. I actually prefer him when he's not the star of a thing because right. he's just so. He's, and just
1: show up and yeah,
0: because yeah, he's funny and not not all funny actors should be leads, right? <laughs> he <laughs> as he learned. <laughs> yeah. Nineties. <the>
2: yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a really it's a fantastic cast, drawing from like a whole lot of different. Um sort of types of actors you have people who were you know more famous on tv you have a bunch of oscar winners like this movie has a ton of oscar winners in it um a bunch of people who are you know stage actors primarily character actors um your mariah Carey's who are like you know giant pop
0: superstars. reality
2: television runner-ups Ah,
0: uh, love, love the clarence williams the yes. third yeah
2: but yeah, Chris, you bring up an important point, which is the fact that Yaya DaCosta is in this movie credited as Yaya. Yaya Alafia because she was um, in a relationship with uh, a man whose last name was Alafia and was not married to him, but still like took his last name um, for her professional name for a couple years there and then went back to DaCosta. So now she's back to DaCosta. Um, runner-up America's Next Top Model Season 3. Um Wore a t-shirt that said Respeto on it so that uh, she could get a dig in at somebody who carved a mean message into a a pan of brownies. Truly iconic television, if ever there was so. Um, I fucking love Yaya. And I think she's so good in this. She is. Yeah,
0: yeah, she's great. I loved it. I really... I enjoyed the whole, the training scenes where it's like, this is how you learn to be a freedom writer. I do not, I do not like Jesse Williams. And also funny enough, I did not know, like, for the first time I watched this, I was like, why is a white man telling them what to do? And then I realized it was Jesse Williams. Yeah. He, I don't know. I've never, I don't watch Grey's Anatomy, so I didn't know who he was. So I was just like, who is this weird man with this weird voice? And what, where did he.
2: Would this have been after Cabin in the Woods, right? Cabin in the Woods is 2012?
0: Oh, yeah. I always forget that that was him in that movie, too. That movie is like
2: stealthily like huge cats because it's him and Hemsworth and um, Fran Kranz from Dollhouse and. I can't remember who else fills out that uh, that central cast. But, um, like yeah, Jesse Williams. Gillian and Jacobs? Hemsworth. What's that? I don't think... Is it
1: Gillian Jacobs? No, but or she I... looks a lot like Gillian mis- Jacobs. Misremembering. Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, I'm going to look that up. You guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> I love,
0: and I love the part where like they make that white man who looks like Tab Hunter really uncomfortable. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, he does look like Tab Hunter. Um. That whole montage is really interesting and well composed because you have all of that up against the butler staff of the White House yep. basically preparing some type of state meal yep. um it's really um just impactful filmmaking
2: yeah that's that yeah. Weird, it's that uh sort of triple cut between. The training, and then the actual what actually is happening at the lunch counter, and then also mm-hmm. the the White House dinner. So it's you're giving a lot of sort of jarring switches, and it's it's effective,
1: mm-hmm.
2: while being again super extra, which is the Lee Daniels brand.
0: I I, I wish this movie was more extra, like especially. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know because I remember I was talking to Kyle about this movie and he just couldn't stop talking about the presidents and I was like I the presidents barely registered to me because they a lot of them do nothing
1: right yeah exactly
2: <laughs> hey uh Eisenhower Robin Williams is Eisenhower paints on a
1: little easel in, in the Oval Office so yeah <laughs> he, he, while he's yeah it's like enjoy your painting sir while people are dying um, yeah,
0: there was, there was, he was, I don't know what was going on, and, um, God.
1: <laughs> wasn't it, um, Josh. because there are, there were people who filmed and were cut from the movie, and I'm pretty sure Melissa Leo was one yes, of them. Yes, yes, I think so too, because I know,
2: I read an interview somewhere with Lee Daniels where the interviewer mentions that there are, like, six Oscar winners in the movie, and one of them is... Melissa Leo. And I was like, I don't remember her at all. And she's like, absolutely not. Even in the credits as like, sometimes they'll you'll get an actor credited and then they'll be like scene cut or something like that. And like, she's not mm-hmm. even in the IMDb list for that. So.
0: Mm. Oh yeah. And I see they cut out Obama too, which I'm glad. I did not want to see Obama. I actually saw um like way like I think last year, the the Hillary Clinton play that was like Laurie Metcalf and yeah. John Lithgow. I saw
2: that too. I saw that too.
0: <laughs> and Barack Obama. Just just seeing Barack Obama talking to them was just weird. Like yes. I know that they spoke and that they knew each other. Right. I just don't need those two things together. I'm not. I'm not
2: emotionally prepared for the era of us uh, dramatizing Obama yet. Like I can't. I'm not there yet
0: yeah i don't want to yeah and i just don't want to see him like i feel like it's um i don't know it's like seeing like bugs bunny or something like i just why is he here like i question reality why i don't know oh my
1: god (laughs) um i think i i mean i get what you're saying it's like it's not you know you don't want to look back you want to move forward i think
0: Yeah, and I just feel like he was so prominent. Like, I don't know. It was... It was in eight years where he wasn't just president. It was just like, he was so prominent. Like, we saw yes. him all the time. People are talking to him all the time. He's memed all the time. Yep. People have reaction gifs with him. I don't want to see him in a movie. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I know that there you. are two movies about Obama that Barry and Southside with you, and I have not seen them just because for the same reason. <laughs>
2: they're honestly, they're both pretty good, but it's still, you have to at least have that remove of it's young Obama. You know what I mean? That it's like, that's right. that's enough, that for me was enough of a distance where at the very least, like, it's not Obama that I've lived through in my lifetime. So, um, mm-hmm. I needed that remove.
0: Mm. And we were talking about the ending earlier. Yeah, the ending, because I, when I saw that it was an article that explained the ending where he, he meets Obama. Right. Um, and I don't... I mean, it's it's a very like establishment black director thing to really really like Obama uncritically. Uh, so, I mean, it's not, I'm not surprised. It just, so much of this movie is about the gray area. It's like, um, you know, do you trust the establishment or do you fight against the establishment? And that's such an interesting question. And then to, to think that the question basically dissolves when Obama is elected, like we no longer Mm -hmm. have to ask. Um, but I mean, I think what kind of makes it a little bit easier to handle is that Cecil is much older by the end. And it makes sense that, you know, an older man who has lived through so much like this would be such a huge thing for him. And it's not even I don't even think like I don't blame the character. I kind of blame the framing like him being Mm -hmm. excited makes sense. But does the movie also have to be excited? Right. Well, and even when
2: you saw interviews with Lee Daniels at the time, he talked so much about how the the idea and the themes of the movie are that history has come a long way in the 20th century, but it's not finished and it's still ongoing. And, you know, you know, there's these sort of so much of the movie remains open ended or of the story of all this history remains open ended. And it's like, yeah, but the ending of this movie really runs counter to that. Cause the end of this movie feels mm-hmm. very much like, and we're here and we arrived. And that's not what, that's not the idea that
1: even Daniels is saying that the movie is, is talking about. So. Mm -hmm. I wonder a little bit, and we don't have to get too far into it, if some of that was a, because this is a Weinstein Co. movie, if that was something that was forced by Harvey Weinstein, we know that he had a lot of reputation in, like, demanding certain script changes or edit changes to movies... And really, I would be curious about that and like trying to make it an even more sentimental movie by ending that way.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a studio ending. And as much as I like take issue with Lee Daniels with a lot of the choices that he makes, his messiness is the best thing about him. And so right. for the movie to end mm-hmm. neatly is just kind of a betrayal on him, And it makes it even weirder that this movie didn't end up winning any Oscars because that's that's the kind of ending that's that a company that wants their movie to win Oscars gives their movie. Right.
1: I truly kind of feel like the one factor that kept this from being Oscar nominated is the fact that it opened in August and I hate saying something so reductive as that but like this is a movie that made a hundred million dollars at the box office if it had been a fall movie I think it still could have made that much money and like I think this movie just got somewhat forgotten or at least to the extent that it might have like this movie did best with SAG where it gets the ensemble nomination Forrest Whitaker gets nominated and Oprah gets nominated but. And SAG is the the uh, awards
2: organization that is friendliest to movies that open earlier and movies that are more sort of widely distributed and pop and uh, populist mm-hmm. in that way. And I think it's kind of telling that it gets those nominations at the SAG, nothing at the Golden Globes, and the Golden Globes all, all often seems like this is how you can tell. What campaigns are working the hardest sometimes, and mm-hmm. so you get the feeling that the butler got seen by a lot of people, but you know maybe was not being campaigned as aggressively as or as effectively as it could be and was this wasn't this during the time when like the Weinstein company was like really kind of like financially perilous and wasn't able to do the kinds of
1: like I mean they were never really financially stable even though like this is one of their highest grossing movies it made 100 million dollars at the box office but like they definitely shifted their campaign like focuses onto Philomena and August Osage County
2: and those Um, ones came up at the Globes and then and then again at the Oscars
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you really did and feel
2: that active shift towards Philomena as the award season went on, where it's just like, oh no, it's this.
0: Um, and I feel like there's one other thing. Isn't this the same year that Twelve Years a Slave came out?
1: Yeah. That's probably I mean, yes, I think that's fair. And like, because that was an artier movie. For whatever reason, and this is way more mainstream, it is way more sentimental, so right. like it can be chalked up to just a crowd pleaser instead of high art.
0: Which is so interesting because I don't like 12 Years a Slave at all, and I like this movie. <laughs> I really, I really don't like 12 Years a but Slave. It-
1: But you're right to bring it up because it definitely feels like especially the era we're talking about where it's like Oscar can make it be there can only be one, you know, and it's insidious, especially the this is coming out after David Yellow said that Academy members complained to the studio when the Selma team showed up to the premiere in I Can't Breathe t-shirts um academy members complained to the studio that they did that and it's like you can't say that there's not some type of implicit bias no of course absolutely. um and outright racism yeah
0: oh yeah definitely and i, I mean uh, i appreciate the butler more than a movie like 12 years a slave just because it asks a lot of questions and it has conversations whereas like i don't know i feel like it's Twelve Years a Slave was easier to digest and easier to market because it's like a very clear story. White people bad, and and also, well, an addendum: white people were bad then. <laughs> I think the right. then I think the then makes it a lot easier to deal with, and it doesn't really. <sighs> There's not uh, there's not like a lot of questions when you're done watching 12 Years a Slave. There's no real questions to ask yourself. It's kind of like making it through the movie is an achievement in itself because of its brutality. Yeah. Um so I don't know. I I I mean I wrote about this all when I did the decade in black film. My opinions on 12 Years a Slave that I don't like it and that I don't think it's very good. Um <laughs> But the fact that the butler came up against that movie that year is so, I feel like it's so notable just because it's some, because I mean, as much as the stunt casting does it, the movie, the fact that all of the white presidents like run together, I feel like is part of the point.
1: Like, mm -hmm. they
0: were all kinds of saying the same things. They all kind of said stuff about, like, freedoms and, like, liberty and just kind of, like, a bunch of stuff. But nobody actually does anything. I actually think that the most interesting thing that a... Well, there are two interesting things that presidents do in this movie. One is when... Nixon tries to see if he can flip around Black Power and turn it into, like, we support Black businesses. Yes, yes. (laughs) And
1: that's what Black Power is, is business and profit and consumers.
0: I think that that's a really interesting angle because I think that he did take that angle a lot of politicians took that angle and that's the angle that worked and i've been noticing it a lot while while the protests have been going on there's this there's the protesting and then there's the really radical stuff and there's also the like the like the black business part of it which isn't necessarily separate but it's also a more like easy to digest thing to talk about let's move the money here (laughs) Mm -hmm. let's promote this it's like an easier kind of like businessman way to deal with it that doesn't require any real structural changes because you're still like thinking about the market you know the right you don't have to do anything
2: because the market will uh take care of it if yeah
0: yeah, so I thought that that was really interesting and uh, probably, like, uh, one of the few, like, openly malicious things that I feel like doesn't sound malicious at first. Right. And then, like, the more that you think about it, you're like, what is he talking about? Uh, so there's mm-hmm. that. And then there is Reagan, who, you know, disappoints, Cecil and kind of like changes how he feels about the presidency that reagan is the big change which makes sense because reagan black people hate reagan yeah (laughs) he's probably the president that black people hate the most and i also hate him he sucks
1: as we should (laughs) he sucks well that's why i say alan rickman is probably the best of the president performances because he gets this whole thing that made people this veneer of like congeniality, I guess, of Reagan that made Reagan at the time such a popular president. But like in that meeting where Cecil can see in the room and he is outright refusing to speak out against apartheid, he does it in this same like good old boy, old man, like timbre and like temperament that is fully evil um yeah i think alan rickman kind of nails reagan well
2: one of the other things that this movie does is it doesn't cecil never gets uh into any kind of like actual politics of it and you get that line early on where coleman domingo says politics has no place in the white house which is you know an obvious and very you know starkly ironic line um But like, even when he's observing and sort of like peeking in on the presidents, he never see, he he doesn't have any, there's no differential between Republican or Democrat. He doesn't ever seem to uh, get, um, even when he sort of like allows himself to be swayed by a moment or obviously that you can see something is affecting him, the actual like politics of it never really seep in. So it's just this matter of, and it allows you to see all of those presidents as more the same than different, right? They're all sort of doing that thing where they're the they'll like, you know, ask him in a moment of, you know, solitude or whatever to kind of confer his approval onto whatever they're going through. Right. Reagan wants Cecil to kind of absolve him of his, policies by when he's like oh well sometimes i feel like i'm you know just wrong and it's still like, yeah but like you're not changing anything like you just want you know you're looking for absolution from this character and it in one way flattens the politics of those scenes but then obviously it's like sharply contrasted with his son and what you know Alo- a yellow was doing on the other side of it it's a more interesting movie than it gets credit for and I yeah, I don't think I realized that until I saw it the second time.
1: And I think some of that is because it does a lot of, um, standard like biopic type of things the way that the movie just like the trajectory of the movie but whenever it can pause and focus on i don't want to say focus on the family um, <laughs> when it does center the family and especially centers gloria and like her um, struggle in all of this and how she just kind of has to sit back and take it for the family and how that causes a lot of depression for her and fuels her alcoholism while at the same time she struggles to articulate some of this yeah. um, or at least struggles to be heard when she does. Um, well, that That's, I think, when the movie is doing all of the things that it does incredibly well.
0: Yeah, I love the... Um... The conflict between the comfort of their lives and, you know, everything that's going on outside. Because you know, with the jobs that they have and with the home that they have, they're basically safe. And, mm-hmm. but I feel like Oprah's character is kind of like dealing with that conflict on a very, like, deep level, but it's like she can't even talk to her husband about it because he doesn't want to dig any deeper. He's very surface level, and it isn't until he gets older that he starts really wanting to have these conversations that he's been avoiding for so long. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is...
1: There's part of me that is still surprised that she wasn't nominated for this performance and also not. I mean, A, this is... It had a lot of power for her to be in this movie. It was a big deal that she was in a movie. It's her first big role since she actually did Beloved, which, like, didn't go well. Jordaine had an incredible episode of Blank Check where they talked about that. Go back and listen to that. Um, But also, I'm not i'm not surprised because this is when some of the resentment towards oprah settles in and of course a lot of that is racially motivated um but also the movie i it's most interesting when it focuses on her but i don't think it still gives her enough time you know and oprah's yeah. doing this incredibly like understated performance to me in a movie that is like we've talked about kind of scattered and all over the place and like it is like wonderfully messy at times and she's playing a, a very real woman um so partly i'm not surprised because it is the best stuff she does is very understated in this movie yeah
2: can we talk about supporting actress that year for half a second so totally uh that's the year where lupita Nyong'o wins for 12 years a slave narrowly beats out Jennifer Lawrence in *American Hustle*. Jennifer Lawrence, an actress who I love, but I don't love that performance. I think it's—I think she's pretty bad in that movie. Even though there are a couple moments in that movie that like are fucking fantastic, like the science oven uh, scene,
0: <laughs> oh, which the science is oven. so
2: memorable. And like uh, that's the one scene that makes <laughs> me feel like maybe I'm wrong about her performance in that movie. Julia Roberts, a lead, getting nominated in supporting for August Osage County.
1: Um, Gonna nominate a supporting actress for August Osage County? It should be Julianne Nicholson. Even
2: though I think Julia Roberts is good in that movie, and obviously the Each of Fish scene is, you know, memorable for a reason. Um, June Squibb in Nebraska, who is good, but I wouldn't come close to nominating her. But, like, of course, you get why, you know.
1: I love that Chun Squib is an Oscar nominee. I despise that movie. Yeah,
2: yeah. I don't oh, like I've never, I've either. never
0: seen it. How is it? It's.
1: it's... I think it is the most mean spirit. One of the most mean spirited movies I've ever seen. Um, ah. Not to be like someone who's sitting here being like that movie's just mean, but like I think that movie is full of shit. Um,
0: Wow, okay. Now I kind of want to (laughs) watch (laughs) it.
1: Watch it and see if you disagree with me. No, whenever somebody tells me that
0: a movie is bad, I immediately want to watch it.
1: (laughs) I know, me too. So I I, I hear you on that. And Um, then the
2: kind of surprise nominee, the one who I think, if you can say, like, took Oprah's slot, like, um, was Sally Hawkins in Blue Jasmine, which on on one level could be seen as kind of a coattails nomination for Kate Blanchett because Kate Blanchett was winning everything and was such a force. Mm-hmm. But like Sally Hawkins is really good in that movie and playing, you know, she essentially, is. you know, Stella to Kate's Blanche and um is a really deserved nomination and Sally had been egregiously snubbed for Happy Go Lucky only four year or five years earlier so it's tough to begrudge her
1: you know that even as- it feels like a makeup nomination it's a lot of those factors uh, all kind of rolled into one that i think went into those but you can't really say i think it's more accurate that the 5th place slot was probably very competitive yeah for this category because you can't really say that it was Oprah spot because the only precursor that nominated Sally Hawkins was BAFTA where Oprah was nominated. Right. I think it was just very competitive for that last spot.
2: No, I say I say, you know, Sally versus Oprah for the fifth slot mostly because we tend to sort of that, that those SAG nominations feel you know, very predictive. And the fact that that's mm-hmm. essentially swapped out Oprah for Sally is, you know, right. Telling.
1: But yeah, I-, I mean, that's what the, the SAG lineup was. Um, It. Yeah. Sally got Oprah's slot from the SAG nominees. Yeah.
2: yeah I felt yeah. bad for Oprah. I sort of, it felt like, it felt pointed, you know, it's, a, you know, I mm-hmm. you know, you talk about, you know, don't use the word snub because, you know, it confers um, sort of active denial rather than just like, oh, somebody just didn't get enough votes. But like that to me, I always felt like it was just like, oh, just, you know, it felt actively snubby towards Oprah, I thought.
1: I mean, especially with Julia Roberts being nominated for obviously a lead performance. I mean, I probably if you rule julia roberts out i like oprah more than yeah half of those other nominees
2: i'm trying to think of like what else was in the conversation i remember that was the year where didn't octavia spencer win the nbr supporting actress for fruitvale station and i remember thinking like oh well that's obviously going to be Mm -hmm. a nominee because it just felt like things were really solidifying behind you know her praise for her in that movie and for that movie Mm -hmm. and that was the year where i remember i think fruitvale station was another weinstein company movie right where like you talk about movies that were totally abandoned by their campaign in favor of other things uh Mm -hmm. i think fruitvale station was a movie that absolutely with a strong campaign behind it i know that was a movie that was more divisive towards the end of the year than it was i think that was a sundance
1: movie wasn't it It was, and it was also a summer release. Right.
2: And I think as the year went along, you heard a lot more sort of dissenting voices about that movie. But I still feel like in terms of just like an awardsy movie, a strong campaign for that really could have pushed Michael B. Jordan to a nomination, Octavia Spencer to a nomination, and um, it just didn't happen. Mm-hmm. what else was yeah. going on that year <laughs> I'm looking at my own uh, my own rankings that year obviously I had Emma Watson in second place for the bling ring because fucking loved her in the <laughs> bling ring but
1: that was obviously talk about somebody who is uh, typically not a good performer right. but knock that is one out of the one park. absolutely like comic genius performance that I will forever be curious when that could happen again but yeah, yeah I love that performance there was um, Amy Adams in
2: Her, who I think she was getting all her attention for American Hustle. So that sort of, you know, diverted a lot of attention away from that. Because, like, Her ultimately was a movie that the Academy really loved. Like, Best Picture nominee, Screenplay winner, all of that. But,
1: um, you know. One of the few contemporary production design nominees. Yeah,
2: that's a really good point. That's I mean, a sign of how much they like that movie. contemporary. Although there's th- the production design of that movie, I think benefited from its contemporary, but it's sort of like vaguely futuristic, right? It's like mm-hmm. you know, contemporary with this sort of just you know, hard to pin down uh, futurism that I thought was
1: really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I love her. I've seen I've seen it only once, and I cried, and I won't watch it
1: again. <laughs> Amy Adams is the best thing about that movie. Yeah, she's Um. really
2: wonderful in that. But, like, not hard to see why she wouldn't have gotten an Oscar nomination. It's not a very um, loud
0: performance.
2: So... Mm -hmm. um,
0: They sure do love loud. I mean,
2: again, you look at this year. Julia Roberts, Jennifer Lawrence. Like, that's... Yeah.
0: I I couldn't watch the August Osage County. I think it was... I'm trying to think. Um, That was... I was in school then, and I remember uh, people... of my classmates talking shit about that adaptation. (laughs) It's a
1: real um, disservice of an adaptation because it kind of removes any political context that it is supposed to have and how it's supposed to kind of indict an entire generation of um, Midwestern white people. Um, Yeah. And that movie just doesn't really do it. It does have, like, a political subtext to all of it that the movie is just flat out not interested in
0: um yeah yeah that's what I heard about it cause I'd read the play um and I was just like do I go and it was it was it was when I was still when I was like a baby theater (laughs) I was just like (laughs) I I just got to New York and I am going to the theater I'm not going (laughs) to the movies
1: (laughs) Uh. One other thing I think we should bring up in terms of Oscar that actually I looked this up and I'm a little bit surprised. How do we feel about the makeup in this movie, guys?
0: Oh, some of it's good and some of
1: it is so terrible. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> I I mean. I just also just watched Armageddon recently and um the makeup on John Voight is so terrible in that movie that all of the makeup in this movie seemed fine to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of it is really good. I think a lot of what they do with Forrest Whitaker is pretty great, but then like they they do Lenny Kravitz so wrong.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Wait, who That's is John upsetting. Voight in Armageddon?
0: He plays um he plays the president. Does he really? No, 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 no! Not Armageddon. Um, fuck, Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor. Oh, okay, John, yes, He John definitely Voigt. does
2: play FDR in Pearl Harbor. That is for sure.
0: Yes, yes, Pearl Harbor. <laughs> and he, I don't know, his face looked like it was made of rubber, and when he <laughs> moved it, it was terrifying.
1: Yeah. Oh God. They make poor Lenny Kravitz <laughs> look like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs
0: <laughs> in this movie.
1: <laughs> felt so bad yeah they
2: definitely add those sort of those later scenes with forest too like the makeup is very aggressive and it's it almost feels distrustful of Forrest to be able to get that character across without
1: it and it's just like i think Forrest Whitaker can handle this like but, well, but I brought this up earlier. I think like one of the things that shows you what an incredible performer is, he acts through that yeah. in a way that's still believable yeah. and impactful. I bring this up because watching the movie, I was like, I bet that if this had been when they still had five makeup nominees that this could have been nominated mm. and then like we wouldn't be able to talk about it. It'd be an Oscar nominee, but it didn't even make the bake off shortlist. And I looked up the bake off shortlist. It is fully unwell. So much so that I had to mention it. To yeah, you guys. let's hear it. Okay. These are the seven movies that were on the bake off list for the eventual three nominees. God. American Hustle. It's basically heterosexual wigs of the movie. Right. Um, didn't get nominated. Dallas Buyers Club, eventual winner. And it, of course, the story was they had something like a $20 yes. makeup budget or something. And yeah,
2: that was the Oscar it. that Katie Rich won for Dallas Buyers Club, where she wrote about, um, the, uh, the challenge of doing the makeup on that, and mm-hmm. it wins the Oscar. Congratulations, Katie.
1: Um, the, the Great Gatsby, um. Hansel and Gretel, witch hunters. (laughs) A movie I saw in the theater. (laughs) Was that one of the times that you just showed up and you said, "I'm going to watch whatever is playing"? No,
2: that was the time where me and two of my friends are like, "What's the most chaotic insane movie we can watch
1: tonight? When we can like get high and watch tonight?" And it was, uh, and it was Hansel and Gretel. Oh, fantastic! That was fun. Um, The Hunger Games, Catching Fire that's probably more of like a hair that's stanley tucci's wigs probably oh yeah well and also there's all that stuff about the hunger games is like
2: that that you know sort of parade of nations thing and like yeah 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 yeah
1: yeah. yeah. there's a yeah uh and then the other two nominees which i uh, yeah i can't deal with this um the other two eventual makeup nominees bad grandpa and the lone ranger yep Oh
2: boy. Yep. <laughs> Lone Ranger Lone gets nominated. Ranger. Yeah. Lone Ranger gets nominated for that one look where Johnny Depp is uh the crow man, right? Where he's just all he's like fully yeah. painted and the crow's on his head and whatever. And Bad Grandpa is the worst tendency that the Oscars have for best makeup, which is we're just gonna take a young person and make them up to look crazy old and like ta da. Like that's the thing. Like they fucking love old age makeup to that extreme degree and it's like stunty old age makeup it's not even like like mm-hmm. i think the butler probably doesn't do as well because it's old age makeup in like service to a character and it's not like mm-hmm. click or bad grandpa or what the hell was that that uh swedish movie recently where it's just like oh you're only getting nominated because the hundred year old man who like whatever opened the window and sat and, on a bench yeah <laughs> flew away home yeah that one um hundred year old man who climbed out a window and disappeared which i remember when absolutely that one made not. the bake off and everybody was like what is that movie and i'm like i don't
1: know but it's absolutely it's getting, getting nominated,
2: nominated. <laughs> like absolutely for sure
1: wasn't a man called uva nominated To yep it was
2: hated that it sure was yeah the only fantastic <laughs> the only uh, I'm looking at the last ten years of makeup nominees, and I was going to say the only one that I like made me sit up and cheer was two years ago when they nominated Border, which, yeah, is a such a good movie and b amazing makeup.
1: And it's fun to have something like that nominated that's for more like genre and like they're doing something versus another fat suit or another old age makeup. That being said, The Butler is filled with old age makeup and it way deserves a spot over maybe any of those other potential
2: nominees. Yeah, that's true.
1: Even with uh, Lenny Kravitz looking like um, a <laughs> melting person, looking like one, looking like the high priestess from *Roll Dolls: The Witches*. Oh my
0: God. Um. <laughs> I wonder if it's just like a, a Nicole Kidman and *Destroyer* situation, where it's just like the man is so beautiful. What do we do? <laughs>
2: <laughs> How can we possibly work our way out of this straitjacket? Yeah. <laughs>
1: However, I didn't even mention it, but um, John Cusack's nose, oh my god. I know! It's literally like you could pinch it and pull it off. It (laughs) enters the scene like 10 seconds before the rest of Cusack enters the scene. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It sprouts legs and a face like John Carpenter's The Thing. Cusack in this movie,
2: part of me feels like I want Lee Daniels to do a Nixon biopic with Cusack and just, like, (laughs) set him free. Just, like, do a whole thing.
0: You know, I I would love that. I mean, watching Nixon for the first time, which I have surprisingly little opinion on that movie except, you know, love Joan Allen. Um, Uh, I think that she's wonderful. And also... I find it very unsettling that Nixon called his wife Buddy. Yep. That
2: really upsets me. Nixon <laughs> called his mad wife Buddy. Reagan called his wife Mommy. Like, it's a whole goddamn thing. Ew. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God. Ew. I I absolutely hate it it's i just i just kept on like looking at kyle just like if you ever call me buddy we are never having sex again
2: (laughs) that's also an angels in america thing right um yeah oh
0: yeah yeah buddy joe and uh
2: yeah harper it's uh, (laughs) but it's like in that but in that it's like intentionally unsettling right it's intentionally uh telling of what's going on and
1: revealing yeah, 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 yeah
2: Can we talk about the AARP oh, Movies for Grownups Awards?
1: Yes, Hell yeah, our favorite. This is an AARP Movies for Grownups year that we talk about a lot. We've talked about it when we did enough said. It, we always bring it up because the way way back, a movie that does not exist has never existed in the culture won a prize. Um, Oprah wins supporting actress uh, here for the Butler. It's a good As set of should. nominees
2: too. Honestly. It is. Alice. Read off the list. First. Alice and Janney for The Way Way Back, who would have made my top five that year. She's a scream in that movie. She's, I mean, you talk about, like, like boozy, blousy uh, ladies who are just, like, could give a fuck. Like, Alice and Janney in The Way Way Back is so funny. Julianne Moore in Don John, the moral center of Don John, which is super funny, especially because Scarlett Johansson was the one getting actual buzz for that performance, Mm-hmm. Uh, Julianne Moore's really good. She in that is. Movie, She's though. wonderful in that movie. Uh, June Squibb in Nebraska, Oscar nominee, the only no- Oscar nominee of the bunch. And from August Osage County, an actual supporting actress, uh Margot Martindale, who
1: Living legend, Margot Martindale.
2: I adore Margot Martindale. I wish she had gotten like one more scene in that
1: movie to just sort of like let loose. She down... like her big scene, the one that um Oh, God, who played her originally on Broadway? And I positive got the Tony for it. Like her big scene, Margot Martindale downplays so much that it's like once I saw it, I was like, oh, that's it's just not going to happen. She this is the scene where she's supposed to, like, lay it all out there. And she kind of intentionally doesn't in a way that I think is interesting for the character, but is not, you know. It's never gonna get an award, I guess. Randy
2: Reed is the actress who played uh, Maddie Faye. Rondi yeah, Reed. So she kind of won the
1: Tony Award for it.
2: Yeah, it's an it's and then uh, it also wins Best Grown Up Love Story,
1: right? Uh no, Best Grown Up Love Story I'm pretty sure is Enough Said. Oh But it's nominated for Best Grown that's Up Love good. Story.
2: Enough Said was yeah. We talked about that movie on this podcast. A very, very good movie and a very, very good grown up love story.
0: Love that movie so much.
1: And uh, Forrest Whitaker was also nominated for Best Actor. He loses to Bruce Dern from Nebraska, Oscar nominee. Uh, two Oscar snubbies that did not uh, that were nominated uh, Robert Redford for All is Lost is All Lost um, Tom Hanks for Captain Phillips and incredibly chaotically the A. Harpy Movies for Grown Ups nominated for Best Actor Brad Pitt in World War Z What?
2: What? <laughs> <laughs> what in the world?
1: Y'all are crazy. I love the Empries. It, it they give you such wonderful things like that, but they also do cool things. We have I we I don't think we even mentioned this on air when we talked about enough said. You know who they did nominate in best actress? Who? Paulina Garcia for Gloria. Perfect. Absolutely well deserved. Incredible yep. perfect nomination.
2: That was a love that her. was love a that fantastic moments year for both lead actor and lead actress i we've talked before about the absolute log jam and best actor that year that left like so many people so many worthy nominees out of the running but like best actress is pretty damn good too the nominees were mm-hmm. blanchett wins for blue jasmine amy adams who i love in american hustle i think she's absolutely fantastic sandra bullock for gravity uh, who would have probably won if she hadn't already won um judy dench for philomena and meryl in august osage county which a lot of people don't like i do think she um meets the challenge of the bigness of that role and
1: i think she's deeply miscast yeah yeah because that should have been played by like a sissy space heck
2: what is it what is it about meryl that's that's not working in that role
1: I mean, partly it is the era of Meryl only giving drag performances. Mm -hmm. um, But, like, it's always played by women who are, like, small little, like, uh, rattlesnakes, Uh right? Like, uh I look at In the Bedroom, and it's, like, a flash of, like, the anger and, like, nastiness needed Uh um, for that character. And Meryl, I just she's worked against it before but i think her screen presence is incredibly warm and it's it's a character that's so devoid of that and she can't really shed it yeah. um in my opinion
2: No, i think that's a good take. That's uh works for me.
1: Mm. Forrest Whitaker and best actor though cuz you mentioned that it is really really stacked. I think it's a shame that he probably didn't really especially in such a crowded year have much of a chance cuz I think this is a really good performance. Um it's just one of those things where for so much of the movie he's a passive character and especially what Oscar rewards right. they don't they want somebody who's like They want characters that are active roles in what's happening in the action of it. Well, yeah.
2: You look at who got nominated that year versus who didn't. And so Whitaker gets uh, left off, Joaquin Phoenix in her, Oscar Isaac in Lewin Davis, Hanks in Captain Phillips, Redford in All is Lost. With the exception of probably Hanks, even though Hanks's big mo- moment really only comes in that like late scene in the movie. They really did leave off most of the low-key performers and then they nominate mm-hmm. DiCaprio for Wolf of Wall Street, Bale for American Hustle, McConaughey for Dallas Buyers Club, Dern for Nebraska, and Shuatel Four for 12 Years a Slave. Like, it's... I mean, the Oscars do this all the time, right? They gravitate towards the, you know, bigger you know more like one people with big scenes big sort of like you know signature scenes like
0: Yeah yeah mm-hmm. all of all of Force Whitaker's work is very subtle yeah. and you know yeah so it it's understandable that he didn't get nominated it's, it was more surprising to me that Oprah didn't um yeah. but yeah Force Whitaker also does he does great work there uh mm-hmm. But,
2: yeah, great, really subtle work. The other thing about Forrest Whitaker I wanted to float out to you guys is his best actor win the least talked about best actor performance of the last, say, 15 years?
1: I don't think best actor in the past 15 years has really yielded a lot of performances that we actually talk about. It's given it to performers that we talk about, but I mean.
0: But, yeah, I don't know anything. I. Like Last King of Scotland, aside from like the basic setup, I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen it. No one ever tells me to see it. Like, right? That's the thing. Nobody's ever like, Mm -hmm. "You got
2: to see the Last King of Scotland." He's really good in it. Like, that's. It's not a bad movie, um, and it's a really good performance. But it's, and that was a performance that like won everything that year, and. Mm -hmm. It's not like the strongest field that year, so maybe it's it's one of those things where it's just like, well, we have no other, you know, necessary dominant narrative. Um, I don't think any of the nominees that year were in a best picture nominee. No, right? The Blood Diamond for DiCaprio, Half Nelson for Ryan Gosling, Venus for Peter O'Toole, which nobody saw, and Will Smith Pursuit of Happiness. So. Yeah, in a year where none of the best actor nominees... And that's nominees, really uncommon. Yeah, oh, super uncommon, that none of the yeah, best actor nominees... especially crossover.
1: now, it's like, almost all will align with best picture nominees. Exactly, exactly. So,
2: um, yeah, it's an interesting sort of, like, wrinkle of a year, but it also contributes to, you know, we sort of, you know, he, we, Forrest Whitaker is allowed to kind of fade into the background, which is too bad, because he's a really good actor. Yeah. And now he's playing, like, seventh leads in Rogue One and whatnot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was the one that had to keep going back for the reshoots because they kept changing what his character was.
2: What his character was, or, like, how his character talked. Like, there was a lot of... It's it's Uh such a confused character. Yeah.
1: The full, like, character design completely changed between, like, the teaser trailer coming out where you can see him in full costume and makeup looking nothing like he does in the final movie
2: <laughs> oh man that's a movie that turned out to be something that i really liked i really liked rogue one but yeah uh um, yeah a a fraught production process to be sure
1: to say the least i think yeah do we have any final notes on either the film or the um uh, awards run for it uh Again, I do think it is still surprising Oprah didn't get in. The only major precursor she didn't get was um, Golden Globes. Right. SAG, BAFTA, Critics' Choice. Yep, that's true. It did well with the NAACP Image Awards. And one thing I would posit, they gave an award for supporting actor to David Ayellowo, who we haven't really talked about this episode, and who I love. And I like in Lee Daniels movies too. In our Paperboy episode, we talked about his performance in that movie, which to me is probably still the best performance in it. He has that scene where he reveals that he's not American, he's British. Yep. Yeah. And it's great. Well, this, <laughs> this is. is...
0: Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. I he's one of those actors where I know that he's good, but I don't like him all the time. But mm-hmm. um, in in The Butler and Selma is probably where I like him the most. I think that he's great in both movies. Oh, which mm-hmm. reminds me, a thing that we did not mention at all um is that the late Nelson Ellis plays Martin Luther King Jr. in this movie yes. for like yes. a second and oh god I I love him I love him so much I believe that the only reason why why people watch True Blood like past the third season is because of Nelson Ellis I have no evidence of this but I believe it to be so
2: (laughs) (laughs) he was fantastic on that show easily my favorite uh, thing about True Blood I didn't stay till the end but yeah I probably stuck around longer than I would have because of him he was wonderful
0: yeah Um, so uh, yeah he's great yeah (sighs) Ah, <sighs> but, um, yeah, Oh, yo! is, it was, I was actually surprised by how much I liked him in this movie, because I didn't watch this movie when it came out, I watched it, like, just last year, and I was just like, wow, I, because I just thought that Selma was a fluke, I was like, I really like him in Selma and really nothing else, but I also really like him in this, so maybe yeah. I just like him when he has, like, a lot of attitude, because he's really great in mm-hmm. the paperboy, too.
1: He has the unenviable task of playing the same character from the age of, like, 15 15- yep. To sixty, yep. and which is so silly, went to me whenever movies do that, and they think that we can't just follow a character through multiple actors, even though a forty-year-old is playing a teenager. Um, but he does it incredibly well in a way that's not distracting. I love him in the final scene that you see him in the um, the like porch rally for Obama. Yeah, where they give him like a little punch, and it's kind of cute. It reminds
2: Um, me this is going to be so good. It's going to sound reductive and I don't mean it to but like it definitely reminded me of that Simpsons episode where uh, uh, Homer won't let Bart see the Itchy and Scratchy movie and then you get that like epilogue at the end where they're both like old and they go to see the Itchy and Scratchy movie and it's just like oh they finally like closed the loop on this like it's just like oh now they're both just like these two Old men finally reaching their uh, their point where they can see the Itchy and Scratchy movie together, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> I guess in this case, Barack Obama's election is the Itchy and Scratchy movie.
1: I also think it would be very easy for Oyelola's character to seem passive, considering like he's tasked to basically go through you know decades worth of civil rights um, mm-hmm. events and like. It could be, like, you're just watching him experience that, but you do, in the longer scenes, especially the family scenes, get a character arc from him that could be, you know, again, like, signposts, but it does feel like a very smooth character growth that I don't think that's easy to do. Yeah. I like him.
2: This is also sort of the on the road to the leveling up that he goes through where all of a sudden in 2012 he's in a bunch of movies at once he's you know a small role in in Lincoln but he's in Red Tails he's in The Paperboy he's in Middle of Nowhere where I think he's phenomenally good in Middle of Nowhere he gets a mm-hmm. independent spirit award nomination for that um then The Butler which is you know a leveling up and then I think all sort of like leading to Selma where you know, he's obviously the lead in that movie, should have been nominated for an Oscar. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's, oh yeah, he's great in Middle of Nowhere too. I wonder, what movies do I think that he's bad in? Maybe like badly, <laughs> maybe he's in a lot of badly directed movies. <laughs> it's very possible.
2: <laughs> He's also in uh, Jack Reacher, but I've never seen Jack Reacher, so I don't know the uh, nature of
1: his role in that movie. I will never watch Jack Reacher.
0: I don't. I don't. I don't know what that is. I don't. I don't know that. There's the Jack Reacher. There's the Jack Ryan. I, I don't. Know. It's there's right. a. I don't. And what's the Keanu one that everybody Tom loves? Um,
2: John Wick. John Wick. Right. They should do an Alien versus Predator where it's John Wick versus Jack Reacher and <laughs> just like cross those franchises over and give give the people what they want.
0: Uh, I still need to see John Wick 3 because Halle Berry is in it and that's really the only reason I see Oh, seen that's John a Wick good 3. reason to
1: see that. Yeah. It truly was a thing that was almost got me to see Jack Reacher 3 without seeing or John Wick 3 without seeing the other two because I never watched the first one because Listen, I am a baby with Animals in Peril movies. I can't watch it. Um, Uh, So that's why I never saw John Wick.
0: Aww. I mean, the dog... The dog gets killed pretty early, I, so you, can't, you, you can't. Oh man! You can't get over the dog. I mean, it's. I love the first John Wick movie. I mean, the second one is also very fun, but the first John Wick movie is so great because the whole time he's just like killing all these people and like beating everybody's ass, and then people are just like, but it's just a dog, and he's like, it's not just a dog.
1: <laughs> it isn't just it's a, a dog. Metaphor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um did we know that David Oyelowo was in Last King of Scotland I am
0: no I didn't know that I'm just
2: looking at his filmography right now I've you know at the time watching Last King of Scotland I obviously had no familiarity with uh, Oyelowo so I, I didn't make a note of it but yeah he is and I think I my other big note is I have just Disco Oprah with like seventeen boxes around it and just sort of.
0: <laughs> she looks amazing. I she want looks so good. Movies. I
2: want a mini series about Disco Oprah. I just want
0: also also is this the last time that James Marston like starred in anything? Like, has he starred in anything in a while? Wasn't he on a bad TV show? What am I mixing that up? I don't know. Like it's it's interesting because like for a while he was kind of unavoidable. I would I would see James Marston all the time, and then when I was rewatching The Butler, I was like, when was the last time I've seen this man? He was definitely what he on Westworld,
2: doing? Chris. If that's oh what you're right, that's right, what it was.
0: Westworld. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the show that he's on. That poor baby. He should really get to do more. And he's been on Mrs. America. He's cast. playing
2: he's playing a real shit
1: in Mrs. America. So i haven't watched it i was gonna wait to like watch all of it at once and he's
2: also on actually he's doing a lot of tv because he's also on dead to me um the christina applegate um linda cartellini show that i've seen one season of and second season came out this summer this spring and people seem to really like it what is time oh exactly? god
0: and the and, and the extended cut of once upon a time in hollywood apparently he's in it but i'm never going to watch that movie again definitely not a longer <laughs> version of it so. he also
2: got cast <laughs> he's cast as the lead in the cbs all access adaptation of the stand that may or may not oh uh, hell yeah oh
0: okay so he's doing the tv now well good for him
2: him that, oh god this that, cast is wild
1: he's in it it's a little crazy
2: amber heard Greg Kinnear. Whoopee. Greg Kinnear as like the old, like philosopher man, which is funny because I don't think he's old enough to play that role. Whoopi is obviously Mother Abigail because, you know, actually that's really interesting casting. I like that. Um, Giovanna Adepo is in it. Marilyn Manson as the trash can man. Oh my god, what the oh, fuck is no. going on?
1: We do not need to be hiring Marilyn Manson in the year 2020.
2: Alexander Skarsgård is Randall Flagg. Heather Graham is in this movie. Um, Oh my god. I'm absolutely going to have to see this movie. I, I, I This book was wildly formative for me, but like, oh, that is a cast for sure.
1: Yeah, I think we can move on to the IMDb game. Um, Also, just to tease it up a little bit, guys, we are... Two episodes away from our hundredth episode. I cannot believe it. We're almost there. Um, it just feels like, you know, a, a cycle that just repeats itself. And uh, I, I'm very excited to celebrate this milestone. Yes. Uh, very excited. Alright, so Joseph, tell our lovely listeners what the IMDb game is if they're not already familiar. Sure,
2: every week we end our episodes with the IMDb game, where we challenge each other with an actor or actress to try and guess the top four titles that IMDb says they are most known for. If any of those titles are television or voiceover work, we mention that up front. After two wrong guesses, we get the remaining titles release years as Clue. If that's not enough, it just becomes
1: a free-for-all of Hints. That's the IMDb
2: game. Free-for-all of Hints.
1: Yeah. Jordan, since you are our guest, you get to decide both if you want to give or guess first and who you want to give to.
0: Hmm. Nice. Yes. Um, I'll guess first.
1: All right. Who would you like to give your example to, though? Or your a, you're a celebrity to?
0: Um, I'll give it to you.
1: Okay, so you are going to guess first, which means Joe is going to give you your uh, guesser person. All right. um,
2: This is kind of chaotic, but I think it could be fun. I'm going to give you a... I didn't stray far from Lee Daniels Butler. I figured with a cast this big, I could pick an actor from it, and uh, we would probably be safe to not have... um. Spill it. We tend to not pick from the movie in case, like, I've gone th- into the IMDBs of these actors as part of my research. But uh, I'm going to throw out for you. I didn't research anyone in the cast. I didn't this either. Time. Yeah. Um, Cuba Gooding Jr.
0: Ooh. Ah, uh, okay. Um, hmm. Jerry Maguire.
2: Correct. Is Oscar Wynn.
0: Um. God.
1: Ugh. Oh boy, I am looking at it now.
2: It's as chaos, good as right? it gets. Yes. Yes. Very good. As good as it gets. Yep. I always forget he's in that movie because he sort of disappears after the first uh, fifteen minutes or so.
0: I tried to it's been on Netflix for a minute yeah. too. I keep on trying to rewatch it and then giving up on it.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that that movie ages well at all. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, God.
1: No wrong guesses yet.
0: Radio? Yes,
1: three for three, radio. Ho-ho. Jordane, uh, if you can get this, I think you will be our first <laughs> guest with a perfect score. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, boss. The pressure. Ah, uh, this last one. Is, I'm trying to think. Mm. I don't know if I'm going to get this last one. Um, could I have a hint? Um, he
2: is the lead. He's It's like two leads. He's filled above the title. Yeah, he's above the title, him and the other <laughs> co-lead of this movie. Uh, he's. I'm pretty sure he's the hero of this movie, and then the other actor is sort of his antagonist,
1: yes? Something like that. An antagonist who becomes his advocate. I see.
0: Uh, I, I
1: haven't seen this movie. Don't imagine that I would.
0: Um, am trying to think. Um, Is it... It's based on a true story,
2: I'm pretty sure. Um, it has a veneer of prestige. Yeah, it's like about inspirational. It. And okay, I th-
0: I think I know what it is, but I'm but I'm worried that I'm going to get the title wrong. Um, is it is it Men of Honor?
2: Yeah, it's Men of Honor. Well done. Perfect score. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> that was not an easy one to nail, too. Like that was tough. Well done.
0: Uh-huh. Good job.
1: I love it. All right, so you have me that
0: I will be guessing. Who do you have for me? Uh, well, I'm trying to think if I can relate anything back to Cuba Gooding Jr. Um. Oh, <laughs> this is probably this is probably silly, but um, Bonnie Hunt. Oh.
1: Okay. Is there any TV?
0: Actually, let me see. I was thinking about Bonnie Hunt because she's in Jerry Maguire. Um, <laughs> let's see. Yes, she is. No television. Yeah.
2: No TV. No television. No okay. I.
1: I'll just say Jerry Maguire. That's yes. one. Yep. Okay. Um, Jumanji.
0: Yes. Um.
1: Okay. No voiceover, no TV, so Bonnie itself and Life with Bonnie is not there. Is is that the same show? Nope, two different shows.
2: Wait, uh, the one was Um, called The Bonnie Hunt Show. Oh, no, but there was also, okay, there was Bonnie, there was Life with Bonnie, and then there was The Bonnie Hunt Show. I think The Bonnie Hunt Show might have been a talk show, but yes.
1: Okay.
0: Wow, three Um, shows.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. um, Beethoven. No. Mmm, people have forgotten about Beethoven. Uh, she's gotta play like a wife in something. Um, go with that. Okay. Um, uh, or like the friend in a romantic comedy. She's gotta have done that.
0: Um, can I give a Can I give a hint?
1: I gotta get enough. Oh wanna, right, I right, right. go for Years, it. so um, I would seriously just throw out cars. No. Oh no, no 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 wait no no, no, no. It's, she no is are. the mom in the Steve Martin "Cheaper by the Dozen." Cheaper by the dozen.
0: Nope, it's not that either.
1: Damn.
0: <laughs> uh so do I give the years now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So the years are 1988
1: and 1999. 88. Oh boy. Um. Uh. 99. I bet I'm gonna get sooner. <laughs> trying to think of wives and moms.
0: I will say that they're it's neither one is a rom com, which is surprising. Okay. Right.
1: That yeah. Don't helpful. go down that road. Um.
0: Oh, she.
1: It's got to be the Green Mile. She's the wife in the Green Mile. Yes, She has a lot of sex with Tom Hanks. And it is supposed to be funny. And it's just a little creepy. Alright, so 1988. It's not a rom-com.
2: I will say I have no memory of her being in this movie. But it's been a long
1: time since I've seen this movie. Oh, great. So I should have some trouble. (laughs) It's before Beethoven. But not that long before Beethoven. Well, I guess maybe... When was Beethoven, like Beethoven was like 91, 92, maybe? Okay. So maybe she could be playing a mom. It would be very silly. Um, Beethoven's 92. Ah. Charles Grodin.
0: I think that this is a really... This last one is very tough.
1: It is. Oh, man. It's not
2: an obscure movie, but, like, there's no memory of her being in it. Like, I can't imagine.
1: Okay. 1988 movies. What can I think of from 1988? Uh, is that like da- she's not going to be in Dangerous Liaisons? But is that the Dangerous Liaisons year? It is the year, and she's not. But like, yeah. imagine,
2: imagine her in Dangerous Liaisons.
1: Uh, I would is love, it love an that. Oscar
0: movie. It y- is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um. Is it Working Girl?
0: No. <laughs>
1: okay. I'm trying to think of cast that she could feasibly be in. It's her feature um, film debut, for whatever
2: that's worth. I don't think that's a helpful clue, but that's an interesting little side note. Her second feature film is Beethoven.
1: <laughs> great. Um, her third
2: feature film is Dave, where she plays White House tour guide. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay um uh what's the what's the best picture winner that year uh rain man yes why is she in rain Man?
2: (laughs) she is according to imdb the one two three four five six seven eight ninth lead in rain man cool
0: I've never I've never seen Rain Man so I I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like I it should since see I was it was like
2: a teenager like it's been a while. We would I go keep my to. siblings and I would go and uh stay with our aunt, stay sleep over at our aunt's house and she would have uh, just this box of VHS tapes and it was only maybe like seven or eight movies so we would really cycle through just the same few movies and it was like Sister Act and Pretty Woman and um, Fried Green Tomatoes and Rain Man and Beaches and so we would cycle through that collection of movies at like 10, 12, you know, 13 years old. It was,
1: it was an odd little Amazing. Time. Yeah. All right, so Joseph, for you... Perhaps not quite so difficult, but I chose this just to disprove this theory. We have this obsession with movies where everyone on the poster has the movie in their known for, so you can't say I'm being evil to you because I chose this person because August Osage County is not on there, and that's a movie we thought was like this. Joseph, with the hint that August Osage County is not there, I have Julia Roberts for you. Yeah,
2: that makes sense because she's had a lot... Uh, more. Uh, she's had a lot bigger movies than that in her career.
1: She's usually top billed. Right. I really think that that affects the algorithm.
2: Okay. Well, I just mentioned Pretty Woman, so I'm going to guess Pretty Woman.
1: Pretty Woman.
2: Aaron Brockovich.
1: Erin Brockovich. Perfect movie.
2: Right. Okay. Um, where do we go from there? There's a couple avenues. My best friend's wedding.
1: My Best Friend's Wedding.
2: Okay.
0: And... Another
1: exceptional film.
2: So what else do we have? There's possibly Steel Magnolias. Do we do, like, early career stuff? Maybe Sleeping with the Enemy. Um. Or, like... Oh! Notting Hill. No. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Okay. Uh, not Notting Hill. I doubt it would be anything where like she's in an ensemble, like Ocean's Eleven. Uh, ha 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 ha, ha. Um, maybe Runaway Bride.
1: No. Okay. What's the- all right? So your year is two thousand four. Two
2: thousand four. All right. So. Where are we at? We're
1: after Aaron Brokovich.
2: We're after You're gonna
1: be real mad that you don't have that right on the tip of your tongue.
2: Really? Oh shit, is it a thing that I should really have? Um
1: I mean, I thought you were gonna yell at me. Oh four. I'm trying to
2: like trace her career now.
1: As time goes on, it's going to be. So- oh, it's closer. Your cup it's closer. is getting filled with anger. It's closer. Yes, yes. closer. <laughs> a movie we both like.
2: Yeah, she's great and closer.
0: Oh, love that movie. And I've also done um, the scene uh, with her and Clive Owen when he figures out that she's cheating. I've done that scene in an acting class. Oh, my God. Amazing.
2: What a scene! Amazing. <laughs> you're just I love quoting panic at the disco titles the entire time. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All righty. That, I think, is our episode. If you want more This Had Oscar Buzz, you can check out the Tumblr at thishadoscarbuzz.tumblr.com. You should also follow our Twitter account at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. Jordan. oh my God. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for suggesting this title. We've been, we've tried to, like, have some time between return guests but, like, it was such a pleasure to have you back again.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I really, I find this movie so interesting. So, yes, I'm so glad that I came back.
1: Well, and tell our listeners where they can find more of you as well.
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at J-O-U-R-D-A-Y-E-N. And you can listen to my podcast, Bad Romance Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, We're on a network now called Lunar Light Studio. So that's cute. We have the little Lunar Light Studio outro at the end now, but that will be good. And we're going to be doing all um, queer movies this month. So that'll be fun. (laughs)
1: Nice. Spectacular. And Joseph, where can our lovely listeners find you?
2: Sure. Uh, Twitter, at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. Letterboxed as also Joe Reed. Reed spelled the same way.
1: And I'm Chris File on Twitter and Letterboxd under Chris V File. That's F-E-I-L. Uh, as we spotlighted last week we highly encourage you to donate to the emergency release fund right now that's emergency we would like to thank kyle cummings for his fantastic artwork and dave gonzalez and gavin mevius for their technical guidance please remember to rate and review us on apple Podcasts, google play stitcher wherever else you get your podcasts five star review in particular really helps us out with apple podcast visibility so please uh Tell us you get a 5 star review. You get a 5 star review. Everybody gets a 5 star review. That's all for this week and we hope you'll be back next week for more buzz. Bye. Everyone's a winner baby.
0: That's so nice. That's so You never fail to satisfy.